0: If you look with me in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 in Romans 1, 21, and then also in 2 Timothy 3, 2, Romans 1, 21 and 2 Timothy 3, 2. I want to approach this subject tonight perhaps a little different than we've ever thought about, at least for me anyway. Paul said, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And then Paul also said in 2 Timothy, for men shall be unthankful. And I want to talk tonight about, rather than being thankful, I want to talk about unthankfulness for a few moments this evening, if I may. Whenever you hear these words that Paul wrote in Romans and also in uh, uh, Timothy as well, I think of people that are extremely selfish. Have you known we live in a selfish society? Selfish society. We see that going down the road. Uh, People will cut you off. Uh, you give a signal to, and clean your room to get They think that means floorboard and not let you in. Uh, we could talk about all kinds of things. And if we're not careful, that selfishness can rub off on us and we can become like uh, the people that we're associated with uh, within this present world. Being unthankful is something uh, that many people do all the time. It's demeaning uh, in so many ways as well. I think many times being unappreciative for the necessities of life being unappreciative for the luxuries of life, being unappreciative for the relationships that we have in life, and just being unappreciative for anything that we have, I think is a sad, sad commentary and a terrible thing for us to even ponder this evening. I think of the testimony of the man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's life is an open book for us to read in the book of Daniel. And I wanna share a verse of scripture too, if I may, uh, this evening about this ungrateful king. Uh, The king spake and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom of the might and power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it's spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee and they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be the beast of the field and shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will. The same hour was this thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven And my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Do you see a lesson to be learned here? In the beginning it was I, me, mine. But after he was humiliated or humbled, it was given all the glory unto the Lord himself. A lesson to be learned here? It tells us through a biographical record of Babylon, uh, the king of Babylon itself, that unthankfulness leads to coarse, insane, beastly, and brutal living. I want that to sink in for just a moment. Being unthankful leads to that coarse, insane, beastly, brutal living. I don't think we ever think about unthankfulness and what it can lead to in life. Paul does an autopsy on former civilizations and upon four uh, uh, different uh, cultures. And his analysis is presented to us uh, in the first chapter of the book of Romans itself. And I want you to notice what he says. And here he says, he describes the root cause. Get this, he describes the root cause for failure in the lives of individuals. Now get what he says. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were Thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see again being unthankful and a downward sparrow in life? We don't always think about that. But notice Paul said, uh, that the root cause of being unthankful, their father's idolatry, their father's degeneracy, apostasy, perversion, violence, delinquency, dropouts, and complete lawlessness. Think about that. Being unthankful is the root cause of some of the things that we see happening in our world today. Haughtiness and pride are killers. And haughtiness and pride is in our government. Haughtiness and pride is in our movie industry. Uh, haughtiness and pride is in our, our politics. Uh, it's in, uh, in, in our sports. Anywhere you go, news media, it's even in churches. It's in families. You always have that relative you hate to get around. Because you know it's brag, I this, I this, I this, I this, I, 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 all of it, right? And if people don't get around you, maybe that's, well, never mind, that's another subject. But haughtiness, it's been, haughtiness and pride is as old as human life itself and even older than that. The first sin ever committed was through Lucifer, the son of the morning, the most beautiful creature God ever made and it was through his pride that centered in, I will exalt myself above the most high God. I will do this. I was on the throne. It's the great big I right in the middle of the word pride, P-R-I-D-E. It's the I. And yet John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. Amen. So it is as we are unthankful, it stems the root for so much failure uh, within our lives today. When we cease to humbly acknowledge God's goodness, we open ourselves up to all manner of sin and all manner of wickedness. Have you heard that before? I think you sit right here in the Word of God. How can we humans living in America be unthankful? With all the luxuries that we have, how can we be unthankful? With all the provisions that God has given, how can we be unthankful? Well, preacher, you don't understand gasoline's going up and we got to be thankful, at least we got some gas. Yeah. But electricity's so high, but at least you're staying warm. Food, pastor, it's so expensive. But at least you can go to any grocery store in town and find it. I remember years ago when a store, a chain was going on strike. And a lady murmured about that. And then the farmers were going on strike. You know what she said when the farmers went on strike? Let them strike. I get my groceries at the store anyway. Well, where do you think that the groceries come from if the farmers go on strike? You can't fix stupid. How can we take everything that we have in this world for granted? How can we snivel and sneer and brag and boast? Let me tell you, we don't appreciate the water till the well goes dry. Right. Let us not be unthankful, ungrateful, but giving our God praise for all that he's given to us. Daily, he loads us down with benefits. You know, even as children, they've got to be taught to be thankful because kids by nature are selfish. At least mine were How about yours. They can be selfish. It's mine. It's mine. Remember years ago? I remember those little merry-go-rounds they had at the little dollar store, five and ten. Remember those? Had me old enough? Remember those little merry-go-rounds? Nickel or a quarter, whatever it was. If you didn't ride one of those, you ain't lived, friend. And I remember there was a little boy standing there with a little girl, and the little girl was getting ready to ride. And the dad said, "I tell you what, won't you let my son ride with your daughter?" And he said, "That way they can get two rides for one. I'll put in the first nickel, and you put in the second." I said, "Okay." So they went and did two rides and found the dad and said, what do you say son to the lady? Do you have another nickel? And that's kind of the way we are in life, is it not? It's a selfishness that's within every one of us from time to time. Paul said, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so they are without excuse. Now think about this and hold with me for just a moment. The horse rises from the ground on his two front legs. The cow rises from the ground on his two back legs, but the elephant is different. The elephant does not rise on its two front legs or its two back legs. The elephant itself is a heavyweight equipped with four-wheeled individual suspension drive. And that elephant is such a huge animal, it takes more than two legs off the ground. It has four legs and they both go inward to get that elephant up. Why? God created it that way. Uh, He gave it four fulcrums so it can rise from the ground in the same direction. No other animal in all the planet does it just like the elephant. Think of this. Each watermelon has an even Number of stripes on the Rhine. Each orange has an even number of uh, segments. Each ear of corn has an even number of rows. And each stalk of wheat has the same number of grains. That to me, no act of Congress can change that. No man legislation can change or alter that. No matter if they take it to the Supreme Court or they get a liberal Congress or a liberal whatever, they can't change it. You can't mutate it. A supreme being did it, and that supreme being is God. Now, hold on with me. We also know, notice the waves of the sea. Six of them hit the shore every, uh, every minute, no matter what kind of weather. Once a minute, six waves when we hit the shore. Notice also, there are two high tides and there are two low tides Every 24 hours and 50 minutes like clockwork. No Navy can stop it. No air attack can alter it. Nobody can dam it up. And nobody can stop it. There's a law God put in beyond man and above man. And he controls it. The creator has caused flowers to bloom at certain times, specific times of the day. A famous botanist said that if I had my private laboratory where I could control the moisture in uh, the, 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 the dirt and I had the right soil on the right temperature, he said I could tell you what time of the day it is simply by the flowers opening and the flowers closing. A mystery of God that only he can do. God is the only one that I know that can cause a limb to grow out the side of a tree. And that limb can go 50, 60, 80 feet high. And the only thing holding that new limb that's growing to that trunk of that tree are fibers 15 to 18 inches long that will dissolve into the trunk of that tree. If we could duplicate that, we can make some fancy bridges. If we knew how to duplicate that, we would be able to know how to build buildings and structures in ways that would blow the mind. But man cannot duplicate. We don't understand how it works. What am I saying? Being grateful and being thankful to me is much more than just showing gratitude. It's showing humility. And when I stop to see the handiwork of God and see the wonderful things that God has done, I've got to say, ah, in his presence. He's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. And when I stop to see how big he is and how small I am, I've got to give that man praise. I've got to give that God worship. And what happens sometimes is we've exalted ourselves up and be as big as God. And we think we stick our finger in the ground and the world spins on it. It don't work that way, friend. When you can stop and see how big God is and acknowledge him as the almighty, we are humbled in his presence. And our humility before him, to me, is an act of being grateful, an act of being thankful to him. Humility is the saving grace that can preserve society today. I wanna tell you, church, To say thank you may seem like an easy thing, but it's never a little thing. I said to say thank you may seem like a little thing or an easy thing, but it's never a little thing. The God of the universe, he wants to be thanked. In our human plane of existence, we all want to be appreciated, do we not? We all wanna somebody say thank you for what you've done, thank you for what you said, thank you for that card, thank you. We wanna be thanked and if we don't, we feel like we're ignored and we feel like we've been taken for granted. And depending on what your love language is, it may affect you worse than it does others because words are important to many people. What am I saying? Does God want any less thanks, any less praise? And I think sometimes it's easy to say thank you with the mouth, but the life we live is living contrary to the things that so we ought to be given to him. I pray that the very lives that we live will be a testimony every day. God, my life says, thank you. I'm living a life that says, thank you for what you have done for me today. The apostle Paul said, or whoever not Paul, but who wrote Hebrews. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Now, what does a sacrifice mean? It's going to cost you something. It's going to to get me out of my comfort zone. Sacrifice means it's something I may not have, but I want to sacrifice this to give it. It it means I'm going to put skin in the game. He says here again, uh, that offer sacrifices to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Parents, teach your children or your child to be thankful. It has to be taught. And sometimes it can be caught. Yeah. Are you with me? If kids watch us being thankful. Remember one time, kid went home from church and back seat of the car and the dad was just said, boy, the preacher was long-winded today, wasn't he? he? Didn't get a thing out of that. And the other little kid said, yeah, I said, the Sunday school teacher's boring too. And the mother said, boy, the choir was off. They were off notes today. And finally one of the boys said, I don't think it's bad entertainment for a buck. Because that's all they dropped an offering plate. We give a sacrifice to our God for the things that He's done, even for us. Teach your children the atmosphere of heaven is praise. The atmosphere of heaven is praise. It's thanksgiving. Praise and worship saturate heaven. And friends, if we could saturate our life with thanksgiving to other people, if we could say thank you in our families, if we could say thank you in our, in our relationship with our spouses, if we could say thank you more on the job, if we could say thank you more in public, and if we could even say thank you in the house of God. It's amazing how that would help us it, you know, saying thank you to somebody, it's almost like forgiveness. When I offer forgiveness to say, Charlie, if I need to, it's not so much for him as it is for me. And by the same time, if I say thank you, Charlie, I mean that to you, but it does something for me to acknowledge that I acknowledge God in this man and acknowledge what God is doing as well. The Bible goes on to tell us, But love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil." Now, thanksgiving in many ways is cathartic. What do I mean by that? In other words, offering thanks provides a psychological relief through the open expression of strong emotions that produces a catharsis. Saying thank you, the studies I've done, it's almost like a drug that's released within us, that helps us and makes us to feel good, to feel better. It's not just giving lip service, it's saying thank you from a heart of gratitude that we really, really mean it. It's an expression of our dependence upon God to say thank you. I go out and I watch people, I'm a people watcher. I, I laugh at a lot of people and I know I've been a lot of entertainment a lot of folk too. But if my wife goes out to the store, I want to sit in the corner, I'm just going to watch people. I mean, that's entertainment to me. If we go to the restaurant and watch the people get their food and they just eat and then they complain, many hardly ever bow their head and say, thank you, Lord. And the day we live now, I told my the staff the other day, I said, if we're really thankful for food, we might start blessing it at the grocery store and not just at the house over the meal. A dependent person on God can never feel proud. And the more we depend upon him, the less proud I think we'll ever be. A a, a proud person, in my opinion, uh, is, is a person also that doesn't know how to pray. A proud person knows how to inform God. A proud person knows how to tell God what they want. He informs God, but he doesn't really pray. A proud person doesn't petition. And Paul said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I recently read a story about a man, a group of preachers were together. And this one preacher was bald-headed. He didn't have a drop of hair on his head, not an ounce. And all his other buddies were poking fun at him, calling him Mr. Clean and and, and calling him all those names, and, and it was all done in fun. But the guy got aggravated with that after a while, and they just kept poking him, poking him, better being old baldy and so forth. And the last thing he said to all those men, he said, "Well, I thank God for two perfectly good eyebrows," and turned and walked off. What's the moral of the story? He came with thanksgiving, and he left the very way he came, and that simply is not to complain. And if we get ourselves in that attitude, no matter what people do to me, what people do throw at me, if I can make up my mind, I'm gonna find something positive in my life and thank God for that. I believe with all my heart that what praise and thanks and worship is to God, murmuring and complaining is to the devil. And just as God inhabits the praises of his people, I wonder, does Satan inhabit the complaining and the murmuring of people? I wonder. I wonder if that's the case to be true. Murmuring is a bad thing, complaining is a bad thing. And we all do it, do we not? Anybody wake up complaining in the morning sometimes? Come on. <laughs> yes, we do. Thanklessness also closes our eyes to eternity. Think about this. It makes only the present visible. It makes only the present real. It says, I will not believe in the eternal. It's hard for us to see the miracles that God does without being thankful. I've shared this before. My wife can see a sunset and go hog wild nape crazy. And I'm going, yep, that's a sunset. I've never had the ability or I've never taken the time or something to see the beauty in the sunsets the way that she does. So I'm hanging around her just a little bit more at sunset time. And I go, wow, that's pretty, isn't it? And I'm seeing it more. But if we're not thankful for it, we cannot truly see eternity in the things that we do in our life. It it refuses to see God that can take a handful of the clay and deposit it deep, that clay deep in the ground and then the earth can heat up and when it's supplied, it forms a beautiful amethyst. But if we're not thankful for God, we can't see God doing that. We can't see God's handiwork. For instance, look at the rainbow. The rainbow God put there as a sign that he would never destroy the world again by water. Everybody should know that, but people don't. We look at it, it's a freak of nature. We understand how it works. It's pretty, it's nothing a big deal. We see them all the time. If you go to the end of it, you'll find a pot of gold. And yet we don't see the beauty of what God's saying. We don't understand the beauty of what God is doing through something as simple as a rainbow. If we can't be thankful for the small things, which is a big thing. How can we ever give God the praise that's due him for the things of eternity? Also... God, Paul said that God said that they would take, a I man would, 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 would change the truth of God into a lie. The truth is that God can also take black carbon and put that black carbon in the earth. It can heat up mountains of rock and mountains of stone stand up for years and years and years and years and man digs it up, it's a diamond. People can't see that. It's a freak of nature. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. The truth is, if God can cause animals to rise on the front legs, the back legs are all four legs. If God can cause flowers to bloom like clockwork, if God can cause the tide to come in like clockwork, God can do anything in our lives. And that's the point we call He can do anything in our lives. And yet how often do we not acknowledge God in our life? And we don't see what God is doing because we're too focused on the here and the now. But I am so grateful, even that was me, I am so grateful that somebody prayed for me and somebody talked to me about the Lord and my eyes were opened up to see the truth of God's word. And as a result, I began to watch people in a different way. I began to watch them in church. And I went to a church simply because I was invited to go and I went. And when I was in church, I heard a pastor preach. I like heaven was good and hell was hot. And Jesus loved me and the devil hated me. And I watched people come down on the altar one after another. They came down, the lights were out. But they prayed a prayer, simple, asking Jesus to come into their life. And something, miraculously, transformation happened. The God who puts the clay in the earth to bring forth an amethyst, And the God who puts the, uh, the, the deposits in there to bring forth a diamond. I saw him do something in their hearts. I saw miracles before me. And I saw people begin to take an old tongue that one time cursed the name of the Lord, was now praising the name of the Lord. And I saw him take out a cursor and put in a, a praiser. And I saw people's life transform. I never forget, when I was probably in the 11th grade, I worked at a grocery store. And there's a guy by the name of Mike. I'm going to give his last name. But anyway, Mike was awful. Mike was a womanizer. He was a thief. Right before the store would close at night on a Friday night or a Saturday, he would back his car up to the back door and take a big side of beef out of a cooler put in the back car because they're going to go camping. He had, had something to eat. He'd go down in the basement of that store and barricade himself in with canned goods, boxes, and make a pallet and sleep his whole shift just about. I watched Mike as women would come in that he liked And he would push their buggy and fill up their groceries. He would kick the lady off the cash register, ring them out, bag their groceries, and take their their, their groceries uh, to a car and try to get a date with them. He was a womanizer. But one day I saw Mike come into that store and his demeanor was changed. Everything about him was changed. And I watched this guy and I thought, wow, what happened to him? And I saw this beautiful young girl come in And she had on a halter top, and that was all, and a pair of short shorts and flip flops. And normally, Mike would have been salivating. But Mike didn't even look at her, and I'm watching Mike. And I went up and said, Mike, what happened to you? Tears. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And he went back to the manager of that store, and he said, I've been stealing you blind. I've been lazy. I would more than happy pay you back with interest what I've stolen, because I know what I got. If you wanna fire me, I'm done. I went to Mike and I said, Mike, what happened? I got saved, how? And he witnessed to me. And I said, Mike, would you pray for me? He said, I pray for all you guys, because I want you to have what. What am I saying? Mike went from a cursor to a praiser. He went from a pagan to a Christian. And I began to be thankful to God for the first time in my life. I'm seeing eternity now through this man called Mike. I'm seeing eternity for the first time just because he became a think He went from being unthankful to being thankful and it affected my life. So if we as Christians can be thankful, that's going to affect other people. But if we as Christians go around with unthankfulness all the time, how's that going to affect our testimony? How's that gonna affect it in a negative way as well? I know that God can take my life and your life and he can take the drabness and the deadness and the youthfulness and the fruitfulness a fruitlessness and change it into a new creation. That's the truth and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we just begin to thank God for what he's done in our life? Do you ever think about what it means to be saved? Some of us have been saved for so long, we forgot what it means to be lost. We forget what it's like to go to bed at night and, 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 and be, be hang, having hangovers and going to bed at night and having bad dreams and, and going to bed at night with a, with a bad conscience for things that we've said and things that we've done and, and things that we've drank and things that we've smoked and things that we've looked at. we forgot God has so been glorious to us and we've been so saved. You know what happens many times? Can I say it? Sometimes the very sins that God has saved us from and delivered us from, we can be ruthless to the people that's trapped in the same traps that we were. Does that make sense? I've known of people that God has forgiven of adultery and fornication, and then those same people can be the hardest on other people that's been caught in adultery and fornication. Why are we that way? We ought not be. Can we pray for them the same way that somebody prayed for us before we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. There's a beautiful way to live life without cursing and being vulgar and, and being so full of hatred our lives can be transformed. Paul said this. He describes the unthankful, the unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, uh, incontinent fierce, Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I don't want to be unthankful and be like that. I'd rather be thankful and show forth the praises of him that called me out of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. But I don't think, for me, I've never really stopped to analyze and think just the root of being unthankful, what it can produce in our lives. The negativity, the sin, and all those things. David said this, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. That simply means acknowledge a higher power. And that higher power is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not Buddha, it's not Muhammad, it's not Allah, it's not any, any of that. It's Jesus And I'm grateful my life was changed not by religion. My life has changed, is changing, and will continue to change by the power of the gospel through the blood of the lamb and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got a lot to be grateful for in this hour that we live even now. Trouble is associated with being unthankful. Sin is associated with being unthankful. And also by the same token, unthankfulness is a trait of the unbeliever, of the non-believer, not for the Christian. Remember the words of Paul in Romans chapter 1. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish hearts were darkened. He also said, This know also in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof, from such turn away. These people refuse to acknowledge any good thing that God's ever done for them. In all, full circle. I did this. I can do that. I don't need this. I don't need God. I don't need the church. I don't need the blood. I can do it on my own. Have you witnessed the people lately to see what they come up with? I don't need God. I don't need your church. I don't need that old-time religion what are you going to do when you stand before God? I'm not going to worry about it. That I, I, I is killing people. They refuse to acknowledge every good thing from God. That is a progress that's spiraling downward, downward and downward and downward that leads to murmuring, that leads to complaining, which leads to bitterness, which leads to coveting, which leads to all kinds of unrighteousness. Now look at the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt no other god. Do not bow down, worship any other god. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your uh, mother and father. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet anything that belongs to thy neighbor. Coveting is the last, because it's the root of the other nine. Covenant is the last, because it's a root of the other nine. An old testament illustration, Numbers chapter twenty-one. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. A soul loath this living this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery servants among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord against thee. Pray unto the Lord. That he take away the serpent from us, and Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, "Make thee a fiery serpent, set it up on a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live." And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it up on a pole, and it came to pass that if the serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now they went back to the same old tune, and that was this. Why did you bring us out here to die? We like the garlics and the leeks and the onions of Egypt. We like the flesh pots of Egypt. Why did you bring us out here in this desert in order for us to die? How we love the slavery of Egypt. How we hate what you've given to us. How we despise the food that you've sustained us with for 40 years out here in this desert, we despise this man. A matter of fact, what is it? We hate this angel food. We're sick of it. Send us back down to Egypt. It's not meeting the needs that we think we want. Notice if you will. the serpent is a symbol of sin judged, and brass speaks of divine judgment as in the brazen altar itself. Notice, if you will. It pays to be thankful. <laughs> the bottom line is, it pays to be thankful. Murmur and complain. God help me. I'm not preaching to you, I'm talking to me, okay? You don't want to eavesdrop on this? Fine. But how hard, how easy it is sometimes to complain about what God does. When we stop to see how great and grand He is, and yet we have the audacity to murmur, to complain, and you know, once we get ourselves in the habit, it's easier and easier to do. Yeah. You go to a restaurant. I don't know what's happened to me and my wife lately. Every time we go out, we get one that don't show up. A, a waiter, they don't do what they say they're supposed to do. They overcharge. And I looked at tonight. We went out to, to a restaurant before we came to church, and I said, "What are we supposed to be learning? We were nice. We've been polite. We tipped him well, and he was just a good old boy, but..." Got it all wrong again and again and again. So what are we learning to do? We just smile. That's all we do. Just smile. I'm gonna get upset with it, we just smile. He's human. He's I don't know what kind of a day he had. And I say, Lord, I had to learn this with red lights. I, I know I'm just talking. I had to learn this with red lights. I get up behind a red light and it's <clears throat> I, get, I mean I'm always first in line at a red light. Anybody else? And I just started saying, Praise the Lord. And it's helped me a lot. And now I go to restaurants and they're going to screw up on me. Just, it's going to be okay. At least we're eating. It may not be what we ordered. I told one guy, he said, how'd you find your steak? I said, total by accident. I moved the lettuce leaf and there it was. Another <laughs> one said, how'd you like your steak? I said, well, I had a band-aid, shot a pill and cell and I believe I could have saved it. But it's okay. Just try to be thankful. Stuff's going to rub us the wrong way. Stuff's going to hit us the wrong way. And we're not perfect people. But for God's sake, let's learn to be grateful people. I guess going to Africa and going to these other countries of the world and eating stuff that I know what it was has helped me to be more thankful for anything that's set down before me today. And for that, I'm grateful. If God is so displeased with us not being thankful that leads to a downward sparrow of unthankfulness. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Giving thanks always. Now, let me hurry and close. In Colossians 3.17, Paul said, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. Giving thanks to God the Father by Him through him, or in his name. All of our actions should always be accompanied with thanksgiving. Again, Paul said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We can always find something to be thankful for. Yeah. One man said that he was on, on his head, upside down in the bottom of a well, drowning, and they saved him. He said, I was thankful. They said, what in the world for? He said, the well wasn't any deeper. Sounds funny, but he said, I thank God the well wasn't deeper than it was. There's always something we can be thankful for in the midst of all that goes haywire. Church, life is not fair. And life is going to deal you a hand of cards that you don't like. And there's going to be days you're going to be the bug. And there's going to be days you're going to be the windshield wiper. There to be days you're the bat. and Some days you're going to be the ball. And you understand that. But in all things, not for all things, but in all things, we can still maintain thanks unto God. Christonium, one of the archbishops of Constantinople, was driven into exile. He was persecuted. He was despised. He died away from the capital and all the comforts and all the honors that he enjoyed. But this was his favorite motto. Glory to God for all things. Think about man. Driven away, persecuted, despised, died, no comforts around him whatsoever. And it's so easy when we get down. The enemy sits right here. Where's your God? Where's your prayers answered? You're different. Something's wrong with you. You're not doing it right. God despises you. God hates you. It's not working. But if we develop the same attitude as and that was simply glory to God for all things. For whatever it is we're going through is trenchant. It's not going to stay here to stay. We're passing through those things. Being thankful will put you in the will of God. Being thankful will put you on the upward sparrow, not the downward sparrow, as Paul talked about in Romans chapter one. We can have peace and joy. And we can be loving and not critical because we don't have to offer excuses. Give thanks unto the Lord in all seasons of life. Now, how do you know it's easier to give thanks to God when you're young and full of vinegar than it is when you're old and you're mortified with vinegar. I told my doctor this past week when I went down for my physical. I said, Doc, they said if I get on Medicare and I got it made, if I'm on Medicare and I don't have it made, I said, I feel like when you get old like I do, I said, the doctor gets the gold and we get stuck with the years. I think that's what golden years are all about. But in every season of life, in every stage of life, there is something in which we can be thankful. And if we murmur where we are and complain where we are, we're on that downward sparrow. But if we can be thankful unto God in all things, that's that upward sparrow. It's preparing our hearts, I believe, for eternity. Thankfulness should be the hallmark of a child of God. I don't know how to say this except just chew it up and spit it out. You've been around these people, and I've known two of them in my life. I don't care what's going on. They're always, I've got the victory. Everything's fine. There's a guy back in the mountains I used to pasture. He used to aggravate me to no end. I knew his life was a living hell. He was just going through tough stuff. How you doing, Brother Worley? Praise the God victoriously. I went, you lying, your feet stink, man. You going through some stuff. But you know what? Constantly, praise God, everything's fine. Had a professor at Southeastern. The man always had a smile on his face. He always was praising God. He was always whistling. Got on my nerves. How can you be happy like that all the time? But he developed such a relationship with God, both of these men that no matter what they went through, I'm not going to be dictated, life is not going to dictate to me how I live. I made up my mind. I'm giving praise and honor to my God no matter what I go through. God don't ordain everything that happens to me, but it's not what I'm going through, it's what I'm going to, and my eyes are up on Jesus, eternity is in my heart, and I've got a made up mind. I'm going to be thankful to God for everything. I remember years and years ago, back up in the mountains, a pastor took a church that almost split. And the reason it split is the former pastor had run off with a piano player. And the church was devastated. And the pastor got up and said, we've got a lot to be thankful for. And they said, what? And they said, at least they left the piano. So we've got something to start over with. So you've got to be optimistic, church, in life. So the lack of thankfulness shows a heart in need of mending, a heart in need of instruction, and a heart in need of direction. Paul put it simply like this. It's God's will for you and me to be thankful. That's it. It's God's will for you and me to be thankful. So let's remember, what are we thankful for? What are we really thankful for? you thankful for your life and what health you have. It's, 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 it, you can fill in the blank. We're thankful for our families, for our friends. Thankful for our church. My pastor is 94 years old and I still love that man to this day and I'm thankful for my pastor. I'm thankful for a good wife. I could have searched the world a million times and not found what I've got back there and for that I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Don't always get along. I'm, a, I'm not always easy to live with. She's not either. <laughs> That's life. Come on. Have you ever seen these people say, my wife don't ever argue. I thought, you him, peck, rascal. (laughs) I start one once in a while just so you can make up. Anybody ever do that? We've got a lot to be thankful for, church. In the midst of what we're seeing in our world today, with all the lies, the deceptions, all the hatred, all the murder, all the mayhem, we are still a thankful people. Because we're not living for what we see. We're living for the one who's overcome it all. And thank God we're going to where he is. I'm thankful tonight. Are you?